0: Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance and seven pillars of life spirituality health emotions romance mindset social and financial life when you have all seven pillars of life in alignment you are balanced beautiful and abundant let's go Welcome everyone to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman. We are taking you from burned out, overwhelmed, drained, exhausted, frustrated to Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant. And I'm so excited today because we have a dear friend of mine. He is someone that was my captain in a leadership training program. I really admire how he's showing up in the world. And I was honored to be on his summit, and I'm so excited to continue our amazing conversation today on the podcast. Welcome to the show, A.G.
1: Hey, Rebecca. Yeah, great to be here. I'm really excited for what we're gonna co-create together today. I know your audience members will get a ton of value, so super excited.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. So my guest name is A.G. Morishita, and let Mm. me tell you about his amazing background. He is the founder of Movement Makers, whose vision is to unite all leaders to solve the world's greatest challenges. He played a role in the popularity of sushi across North America, which thank you for that role. I'm loving it. <laughs> in the beginning of the Hug It Forward movement, which led to over 130 schools built in Guatemala. A.G. mentors entrepreneurs to start their own movements, he serves as a member of the association of transformational leaders, he is a genius at building profitable speaking training and coaching businesses. He has trained and mentored thousands of coaches and he is passionate about embodied leadership and bringing a trauma informed approach to leadership and training so A.G. Thank you for sushi. I mean, I tried it for the first time when I was about 19 years old when I was at Princeton. And I just, it was love at first bite. I love sushi and I'm kind of obsessed with sushi and and green tea. So, of course, I want to know your origin story. And if you could touch on how you and your family brought sushi to North America and your origin story, I'm interested in learning about that. So tell us, how did you go from growing up in LA to being this amazing visionary who's who's making movements and all your students?
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Be happy to share. And growing up, I mean, I was first born in my family. Um, My family was born in Japan. So first born in the States in my family and growing up, I totally felt different uh, I didn't speak English till, Uh I went to English speaking school in kindergarten. So I took ESL and I was, uh, you know, kind of really felt like I didn't belong. Like I was like made fun of for bringing bento boxes and sushi to school because back then in the 80s, people said, like, oh, what's that? That's gross. That's raw fish. You're eating fish bait. And, you know, and I remember I was we were on a field trip. And we're at this uh, beach Cabrillo beach where they had this grunion run and stuff like that. And I just remember sitting on the sitting on the curb, sitting alone with my bento box. And all I wanted at that point was to have a brown paper bag and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) You know, I just wanted to fit in. And so, you know, and then, you know, and this pattern happened where i was bullied made fun of it got so bad that in college i was thinking okay i'm going to college going to study business uh and i was going to legally change my name so to uh from ag because my last name is hard enough let alone my first name so i was going to legally change my name to john just so i could fit in And my college professor, he looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He had the beard. He's my English writing professor. He says, AG, hang on. Why don't you do some research on your name before you make the decision to go to the DMV and legally change your name? So I did. And so my name is built of two Japanese symbols. The first one is E-I, pronounced A. And it's a symbol for England and English thinking, okay, well, I was first born in the States. But what I also found out was that the EI is the same for uh, a symbol that they use for hero. And it's like, hero, I like that because I've always been fascinated with heroes, especially superheroes like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, even Wonder Woman, you know, and all all the superheroes. And then the J.I. was to power, govern, and rule, be an authority like the Meiji dynasty, but it also means to heal. And i said heal i like that so 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 i really the my favorite definition is a healing hero and that's when the epiphany came in and the huge awareness and realization that oh i'm not different i'm unique because when i felt different i felt isolated and separated from everyone else but when i said oh i'm unique i'm connected to you i'm connected to everyone and i'm celebrated from my uniqueness for my uniqueness And so through my childhood wound, I'm really literally wired to see the uniqueness in others so they won't have to go through the same amount of pain that I went through. And that's what led me to go into student government, leadership. And then when I went into high-tech recruiting, all I did was interview software engineers and find out what made them unique and then be able to pitch them to CTOs, VP of engineering, to big name high-tech companies, some of them you heard of, and I did the same with my family restaurant and my business. Uh, my mom and my dad opened up two new restaurants at the same time back in 2004. And he said, hey, we opened up two restaurants. Why don't you come down and run one of the restaurants? Because I grew up waiting tables in junior high and being growing up in the restaurant. So I ran my family sushi business uh, for about five years. But when my mom came in, when she first started, she was losing fifteen to $20,000 a month. And I saw my parents' retirement go down the drain. And and then my mom came up to me and said, A.G., you went to college, help us with our marketing. And Mm -hmm. the first reaction, literally, and I wasn't trying to be mean or anything, I laughed. It's like, like what in college would teach you about marketing? I took no marketing courses, but I did what I knew. I interviewed my family and found out what made them unique. And what we discovered was that our great-grandparents opened one of the first Japanese restaurants back in 1929 and 1965 we we our family, another family with a distribution company brought the sushi bar concept over to America. Wow. And so and 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 so I start piecing things together in the late 70s. We opened the first fast casual sushi restaurant. and I don't know if you grew up here in LA or not, but it was in an indoor mall called the Santa Monica Place, which is right across from Prom. Now now it's an alfresco outside, but we used to be inside right next to square pan pizza. And we opened the first fast casual sushi restaurant. That's where I was waiting tables in junior high uh, from it was from 1978 to 1988. And then it's like, oh, well, we are pioneers. So I positioned our family. We got some media attentions. I worked the review sites and then we turned around the business from losing $15,000 $15,000 to twenty thousand dollars a month to profiting. Paying the my parents were paying themselves ten k a month and they had a thirty k profit. So it's almost a it was almost a uh, fifty to 55, 50 to sixty thousand dollar a month turnaround. So so that's what I'm passionate about. Also, is I truly believe we all have a genius. We have a unique genius and and when we use our genius that's how we can use this to do good and start movements and it doesn't you can and anyone can start a movement from the little girl who says let's start a recycling program in our neighborhood that's a movement you know it doesn't have to be like a big mega movement global but it could just start in your own community so but that's you know i could speak longer on that but that's yeah. how it got started and and i tried tie in that sushi part uh sushi part into yeah. the story so
0: is your family still owning sushi restaurants in LA
1: yeah so um my mom retired in 2019 and then we reopened a new location. She's still semi-retired. She's a non-active owner. Uh, but we opened a new restaurant, which is sushi and Shabu Shabu, which is a Japanese hot pot. Uh, last year in march so we we do and that's at an original location where we opened the second sushi bar in america so right now i'm coming back in to support them with the marketing and the message and getting the media together so that we can we can do this uh and and do some business consulting for the restaurant so that's happening as we speak
0: wow well i cannot wait to go there and try out your uh Family Sushi, since you guys are one of the founders of Bringing Sushi to America, I'm sure it's amazing. So I know you just kind of mentioned a little girl, you know, starting a recycling could be a movement. What, What? talk a little bit more about what qualifies a movement.
1: Yeah, great question. And, you know, it's like a lot of people are using join the movement or I want to start a movement. And people are using movement as marking language, but here's my definition of a movement. Uh, And there's, and the difference between a movement and a community. So a movement is a community, but as three key ingredients, Mm -hmm. the first ingredient is it has a shared vision a shared vision of a utopian future like Martin Luther King with the civil rights movement. The shared vision was his, I have a dream speech. So it's shared vision. The second piece is a call to action because you could have similarities and things, but a movement is what requires people to take action, to go out, go attend a March to contact your local congressperson to do something for that little girl it's to you know have neighbors say yes i'm gonna create put a recycling bin out you know or talk to the city council so it requires a call to action because otherwise with without a shared vision and call to action then the community is more of a social club or an affinity group more than anything else and the third is a culture of inspired leadership. Mm. So what's an inspired leadership? So it's either an inspired leader or inspired group of leaders who have sh- shared values, a common vision, mission, and purpose, and that they all move together. Because uh, where a movement really takes off is when the member of a movement says, hey, that's not the leader's movement. It's my movement. I'm They're taking... Ownership, like it's my movement. When Martin Luther King said, "I have a dream," that's my dream. That's why yet clergy from other other groups, from Jews to Catholics, come in and march because they were, you know, uh, adhering to a higher power and it's their values. So that's the secret: is as a leader, is you want to engage and allow allow your community to really be in ownership that it's there. It's kind of like when you're creating community, you want your community members to say, this is my community. You don't want to say, oh, this is the leaders community and I'm just here. It's like it, it really shifts when it's my community. And then they become ambassadors, advocates, allies, and evangelists for your group, for your community, and for your movement.
0: That's a great distinction. It's so important that... People take ownership and the vision and the mission and the community, and they're not just followers, but they're, they're more like ambassadors or emissaries for yes. the leader's vision. So yes. that that's so beautiful. Let's talk about leaders. I know you've worked with thousands of people to start their coaching, training and uh, leadership organizations. What do all the leaders have in common who start movements?
1: um what they all have in common is one is either two one or two things either desire in their heart to go create change and part of it is you know like there's something in the world that pisses them off or breaks their heart and it causes them to take action um the second is sometimes um and many are called to do something greater than what they would do on their own. And so many people are called. And one of the biggest misconceptions of being called is that we want to do our calling. The truth is it's called a calling, not a wanting. A calling is many people who've created great movements, Martin Luther King included, is that they come in kicking and screaming. It's like, you sure it's me? I don't want to do it. Someone someone else should do this. Someone needs to do something. And when you say someone needs to do something and you try to look for people pointing out, it's really like more fingers are pointing at you because that's your call. So there's two types of calls, the call from, you know, something outside you or inside you whether you believe in god or you hear a message and then there's the call the people you're born to serve there are people who are praying for you to come into their lives as a solution and the more aligned you get with your life purpose what happens is people come to you say you know you won't believe this but i was just praying for someone like you to come into my life yesterday or today or last week or for months or for years and so there's two types of calling, the calling from the divine and then the calling from the actual people praying. And, you know, we've all been there where it's like, we've had tough times in our lives and we're like, okay, there's nothing else more I could do. I could just, all I could do is pray. And then the solution starts coming up.
0: Yes. From the divine. And so if people keep coming to you going, I need you to help me with this. You're my answered prayer. That might be a sign if you're listening that you should start a movement and you don't have to be excited about it. You can be a reluctant movement maker. And Yeah. uh, yeah, I do remember studying Martin Luther King and he was reluctant, like he wanted to quit many times. So can you speak to someone who maybe is listening out there? They have a vision. But at first, when someone has a vision and wants to create a movement, it doesn't catch on right away. And there's a lot of rejection and a lot of failure. So can you speak into the, the distinction of persistence and how important it is to just not give up when people don't catch on and follow you right away in your, in your new movement?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that happens uh, so often. And, so, and also, you, you know you think big, but you start small. So the first movement is the micro movement, which is to enroll yourself first and you to be a hundred percent bought in that you're going to do this. And I know there's some questions in coaching, like, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? That gives you possibilities but I like the opposite questions. What would you do even if you knew you would fail? That's true devotion. That's true commitment. Like it's and and what what's required in terms of, you know, so you start off the micro movement and in order to catch on, you know, there's a saying like from Jesus, like you're not, it wasn't his saying, but you're not a prophet in your hometown. You're not gonna be a prophet among your friends and family members because they remember when you were like, you know, spilling, throwing up or spilling your guts out, or picking your nose, or all this. They remember you. Uh, they remember you from the past. So you gotta kind of step out and you're not trying to you get the key thing is stop trying to convince the people around you to accept you and start looking for people who accept you. Or accept what you're doing, so you're not looking for approval because chances are your friends, your family members, they're not gonna be the the biggest advocates for you. You have a group of people you're born to serve, and the key is that persistence is. And you know, I grew, I got mentored in my, one of my mentors. His name is David. He was uh, he was mentored by Bob Proctor, and Bob Proctor was mentored by Napoleon Hill, who wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. And there's a concept called three feet from gold. Mm. Most people quit three feet from gold. Like yeah. one person kept digging, 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 then kept digging, digging, and then quit. Three, three feet from there was the largest gold mine in North American history. And the key is to keep going and trust that your outcome, what you desire is assured. And the other piece is, Faith is required more than persistence, because here's uh, going to think and grow rich. There's a saying um, that uh, the floodgates of abundance, and I know you teach about abundance. So the floodgates of abundance uh, came one step beyond defeat has overtaken the mind. So it's like generally it's the point of we give up, we surrender, and we still take action anyway. What the biggest myth is, is faith is not about belief, faith is about action. Faith is about taking action, especially when it seems improbable or impossible. Because it takes little faith if you know it's likely to happen. It takes a ton of faith to, to take the action even when it seems impossible. And this is from you know my own experience is that spirit god universe shows up indirectly from our direct action so as you step forward in faith and take that action spirit god universe will show you the way god's plan divine plan to course correct and that's the key is not just persistence, but I truly believe it's faith of believing in the improbable or impossible and trusting that there's an unseen force that will show you the way. Because persistence just on your own effort, it can take you so far, but if you allow a higher power or force to go, you could go way further than you can on your own.
0: That is so beautiful. So if you're listening and you feel like quitting don't quit because the book think and grow rich that ag just quoted says you could be three feet from gold and don't quit on a bad day just quit on any other day but a bad day because that is letting your emotions guide you and ag just you know said it's your action more than your emotions you could be completely feeling Emotionally defeated, but just keep taking the action.
1: Yeah, I mean, I challenge everyone. Hey, when you want to give up, go ahead and give up. Give up mentally and keep going and see what happens. See what happens. It's kind of like when you lose your car keys or house keys at at home. You know, you get to that point where I looked everywhere and then you're ha, I give up, and then bing, an idea. Oh, it's just right over here, or you have a hunch. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've when I almost every time I give up or let go of the attachment to it, and then auto automatically some idea and it shows up, you know. And and I think that's that's a key thing is to go test it out. And it's so powerful for uh and and here's the thing: the floodgates come in so fast, so quickly you wonder where it was during the lean times. Like, it's like, well, why Why didn't just, we all wanted to come in like inc- at the steady speed. But my experience is it's like either, you know, we're addicted to struggle and it's like nothing. But when it comes in, it's like, whoa, it's more, th- more than enough. And, you, and so we get to realize that, you know, it gets to come in and it, it's going to come in fast and furious and be open to receive it.
0: So that question is a perfect segue to overwhelm. So if you have persisted and you've taken action, even when you didn't want to, and you had faith that someone, something, somehow it's going to show up, it's going to happen. Then it all floods in clients, opportunities, speaking, engagements, emails, texts, and you're like, Oh my God, now I'm an overwhelm." Mm. So that- That is the theme of the show going from overwhelmed and burned out to balanced, beautiful and abundant. So what tips do you have our listeners? Can you give our listeners to help them with that feeling of overwhelm?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So it's like, you know, it's overwhelm is really feeling like we don't, we can't hold everything together. We don't quote unquote have enough to hold things together and you know, part of this is overwhelm. First thing I say is, you know, I'm really passionate about body leadership is get grounded in your body. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so there's a part about our nervous system that overthinking, which is overwhelm, part of overwhelm, overthinking is a sign of a dysregulated nervous system or dysregulated body. So the first thing is just to stop and slow down and pay attention to your breath. You know, take... Three deep breaths. I mean, if we just took three deep breaths right now, like, yeah. yeah, and just moan out any tension too. And, and you can shake your body out. You can shake any tension out and then, and then feel your feet on the ground ground yourself to the earth to the ground whether it's carpet whether it's dirt whether it's concrete but start with that first and then and then continue to pay attention to your breathing and most times overwhelm comes from i have too many things to do and i don't know what to do first Mm. and so in that case i mean there's two ways people are overwhelmed and they just Take a bunch of quick action without thinking like a chicken with a head cut off, you know, or they shut down and they just freeze and do nothing. So what I would recommend is if you have a lot on your plate, the first thing for me that works is get it out of my head and onto paper, write out everything that I have to do onto it just by writing onto paper. It's going to feel like stress relief. Yes. And then from there, from there, you could say, you could, you, from there, you could bunch out, oh, this is about planning my daughter's birthday. Oh, this is about this project at work. Oh, this is my church responsibilities. And you could start creating categories as well. But let's say you're so overwhelmed, you're so overwhelmed that you can't even prioritize and think, then it's like, the then take action, any action. It doesn't matter. So, one of the things is the more stuck you are, the smaller the step it takes to get unstuck. So, that's the secret. Is if that you're, is stuck, a
0: tweetable. write that down. If you're taking notes, say that again. Yeah, the, the
1: more stuck you are, the smaller the step it takes to get unstuck. Beautiful. And, and so just a little baby step. And then that baby step will lead to the next baby step. And you're then creating momentum and you're chipping away, like eating the elephant one bite at a time. And my leadership mentor, I get to see him this weekend. He's came from, he drove all the way from Orlando back to San Diego. And he taught me this. And it's like, uh, well, um, he, he says, all you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough he uses kind of a crass analogy because he was a retired Marine drill instructor. And, and says, he says, stop trying to put, you know, 300 pounds of crap into a 50 pound garbage bag. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you know, stop trying to stuff it all in just, but all you can do is all you can do. And, and from my movement teacher, just acknowledge yourself that you're always doing your best. That's beautiful. You're always doing your best. I'm always doing my best. And some days my best is, you know, production wise is 20, 10%. Other days it's 100%. Other days it's 200%. But just acknowledge myself that in that moment, based on my stress level, based on my uh, day goes, that's my best. And so that's a habit that I've been practicing and encouraging our clients and and community with the movement makers to always acknowledge that you're doing your best because people always do the best they can with what they got. If they could do better, they would do better, right? And so I think that's one of the things, and this is how you could let go of that judgment and self beat up. So the, uh, the, uh, the metaphor I use is you're guaranteed to win. Life is a marathon. And you're guaranteed to win. You just need to follow these three steps. One is get on the course mm-hmm. and I completed two marathons and, and a half, a half marathon. I feel like I'm going to start training again for half and whatever um, is get on the course. Number two, stay on the course, stay on the course. This is where the biggest challenge is for most people stay on the course and Get back on track if you're off track. So that's part of step two. As soon as you know you're off track, get back on track. Don't beat yourself up and don't compare yourself people, people who are further ahead because you got off track. Just if you get off track on mile eight, you just get back on track and you just go towards mile nine. You don't say, oh, I should be at mile 16 by now. No. And then last but not least is keep going until you cross the finish line. So it's get on the course, stay on the course, get back on track if you're off track, and keep going until you finish, i.e. never quit. If you follow just these three simple steps, you're guaranteed to cross the finish line. And your finish line is whatever you desire, whatever your goal is. Like if you you could walk, you could crawl, eventually you're going to cross the finish line. And I think that's the key to understand is really if you have a knowingness that your results are inevitable.
0: Those are three great steps and and uh, if you were taking notes, those are the three steps to winning at anything, or what would you call those three steps?
1: three three steps to, yeah, I think three steps to win at anything, three steps to uh, to finish the race you are you are on finish to finish every race, to finish any race you get on.
0: That is wonderful. So you're just dropping a lot of great nuggets here. I wanted to ask you, How can entrepreneurs create success without burnout? Because I know you're really big. um, When you were doing the leadership program with Mm -hmm. me, you talked about having fun gets it done, and it gets to be easy. And these are such beautiful concepts that I know uh, are going to help our listeners so much when it comes to burnout and work-life balance. So can you speak into that?
1: Yes, I say burnout is so common. I've been burnt out before. And fortunately now it's like, you know, I can have a very thriving business and practice. And most weeks I'm working 20 to 30 hours a week. And when I'm in projects that are 40 hours or more, that's not like have to grind energy. It is, I get to in a sense of it's inspired action. I'm inspired. I have the energy. I'm not forcing myself. So part of this is shifting and give you some uh, pieces is to use your power versus your force. Forcing is pushing power Mm. is you could be powerful and get things done without you doing it and using your energy instead of your effort, Mm. effort required, but you're way more powerful when you put your energy behind something rather than just effort, effort, effort. And so, Burnout. One, so one of the techniques I use is um, like in the morning or or even any time throughout the day, I check where my energy levels are, and you can do like a visualization, imagining you know some energy flowing through your top of your head all the way to your body and pulling up the energy from the ground or from Mother Earth or from the heavens, and my intention is to fill my energy tank up. So not just to full, but to overflowing. And when I, my energy level is overflowing, I could give from the overflow. The beauty of that is I could give infinitely and I'm not depleting my energy tank. If I start my day off with anything less than a full tank, my energy tank goes lower and lower and lower. And so I, I make sure I'm mindful to give myself breaks, to walk, to dance, anything that gives me joy, and, and exercises to fill my energy tank up. And one of the key things uh, that I've learned, it, because I used to be a, a work hard, play hard person, that led to burnout. Mm-hmm. I truly believe the new paradigm is work purposefully, mm. play joyfully, and then add rest. Rest peacefully.
0: Oh my God. Write this down, guys. He's dropping more gold. Work purposefully. Play joyfully and add rest. This is your formula for not burning out.
1: Yes, rest, rest. And so, and what w- one of the things we teach our movement makers is slow down, but never stop. Mm. So, it's like kind of like when you're going through the race and taking a break is slowing down, sleeping is slowing down, stopping is I give up, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to just numb myself or choose something else to do. Slow down. And so the thing is to slow down so they could speed up later. And so just know you're not stopping if you take a break. You're just slowing down so you could go fast later if you get plenty of rest. And so that's one of the key things as far as avoiding burnout. And the last thing is I, I set a boundary. I set a boundary that I will not go into my reserve tank. So I believe we have a regular energy tank. And then once we go beyond, we have this reserve tank. But the problem with the reserve tank is if I use my reserve tank, it affects me the next day or the next few days or the next week. And if I you deplete my reserve tanks, then, it's, then I've, the time it takes for me to recover is way longer than had I just said, no, I'm already... I'm on empty, I'm I'm done for the day, I'm gonna slow down, get my break, get my rest until I replenish. And so I have a firm boundary and I think this is why people burn out is they're breaking their own boundary of what their body says because our body tells us to stop. Our body says we should, we're going too far and our brain tries to override our body. That's why it's so important to breathe and feel what's going on in our body. That's gonna help support and preventing burnout.
0: What are some signs if somebody is so used to just going drinking coffee all day? Go, 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 go. What are some signs that the body is saying, slow down and rest? And you're burning, you're about to burn out.
1: Um, the first thing is just take a break, take a 15 minute break. Sometimes we get energized by being with people and stuff like that. And then the moment we stop, most people, if you're going too far, your body will collapse, like you know, it's like, whoa i didn't know how tired i was one thing about coffee i love coffee i'm a green tea drinker myself um is here's the thing caffeine doesn't give you more energy just so you know what it does is it blocks the i don't know the scientific term though either the receptors or so the thing that that your body it tells you you're tired so what happens is you're not getting more energy, you're just preventing your body from telling you you're tired. So that's why it's important for you to kind of really check in with your body and, and ask your body, what do I need right now? What am I feeling? And and so, and I don't recommend coffee in the late, mid to late afternoon, that's a big thing. That's a big thing because it 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 wreaks havoc on your adrenal systems, and so adrenal burnout is not. It's 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 a sad sight, and I've seen it. I've been there partially. It's like people are literally the Walking Dead, like walking like zombies. It's not worth it. Don't go there if you haven't been burned out. Then don't go there. It's not worth it. And if you have been burned out, and there are people who've been burnt out and afraid to go for life again and go for their goals because they don't want to go there. So what I would recommend is small baby steps and increase that muscle, but you're never, you're never going to go like balls to the wall, like 150 miles an hour again uh, from that. I mean, if you'll, you'll know, you'll know when you're doing it. So, but I think that's what I would recommend um, as far as avoiding Burnout, and especially the coffee thing. One thing is, a uh, um, there's a biohack. Yeah. But if you wait ninety minutes to one hundred twenty minutes in the morning to take caffeine, then you will avoid the afternoon uh, afternoon dip because there's this uh, thing called adenosine that's really it makes us feel groggy. So it takes about ninety minutes to a, an hour, uh, two hours for it to drop, and then the caffeine can kick in. And you won't feel the afternoon crash. So you won't need to take a five-hour energy or Red Bull or anything like that.
0: Oh, that's good. I, I think I heard Huberman say that. But of I, I
1: heard it from Huberman. So yes.
0: I thought of it as, oh, you can have tea first thing in the morning, but wait an hour and a half to have coffee. I didn't know it was like no caffeine for an hour It's and
1: caffeine. A half. It's caffeine. I mean, he sometimes uses it for working out but also but if you want to avoid the afternoon crash that's that's just one tip you know and Uh, i think that's very and it's a more biological tip as well so that's really cool
0: yeah that's that's great so how do you uh create abundance using the law of attraction i know you love to talk about manifestation your how your thoughts create reality how can we create more abundance working less hours and utilizing our mind and the law of attraction.
1: Yeah, part of it is, a uh, big part is just getting out of the mindset that working harder, working longer is a solution. Hmm. If it was, then, then, and you know, a solid work ethic is very common among all successful entrepreneurs. It's not like you sit around and do nothing. What you do is you're purposeful in your action. But one of the things is like, is instead of thinking of doubling your income think of taking a quantum leap uh it's you know it's like we're in a uh you know leap year so leap month as well and stuff like that but when you take a quantum leap think of 10 times 10xing your life in your love your relationships your health because you're you know in your mind knows you can't work 10 times harder You can't work 10 times longer. If you say, I'm going to double it, somehow our mind thinks we could work twice as hard or twice as long. But if you choose 10 times, it's impossible to do so. So you got to think differently. Got to see things differently. Got to find ways to leverage yourself to go create that. And abundance is nature's natural state we if you look and I was in peru there's an abundance of trees abundance of flowers abundance of food abu- just abundance is everywhere now i i love abundance and um from a financial standpoint i'm choosing prosperity because prosperity, because I've had an abundance of problems. I've had an abundance <laughs> of weeds in my backyard, right? Yeah. Abundance of bugs in whatever, you know. So so abundance is natural too. But I would also, especially for your finances, really look at prosperity. Because when someone is prosperous, there's no like prosperous and problems. It doesn't, it's more like financial, it's wealthy, it's adding value. Um so I think that makes a huge difference. So manifestations, it's, it's, it's different from like, here's how I learned it and this is, and it wasn't for like anyone else I heard from my mentor, David, David Nagel. Uh, he shared manifestation is not creating something from nothing. It's not about just visualizing. It's more about becoming aware that what you seek is already here. Meaning that the things that you want, the things you desire is already here. So you're shifting your focus, your energy, and your mindset into the reality of you having it. And it's not pretending per se, it's not acting as if. I like to think of it as stepping into my future self who already has it. So I'll give you some practical examples like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, children who learn how to swim, they're actually not learning to swim, they're becoming aware that they can float in water because once you become aware they could float in water swimming becomes easy you could just move your legs and arms in any direction you're literally swimming um so did that child have the ability inside him or her to float before the awareness yes but they needed the awareness to float same with riding a bicycle it's not it's not about learning how to ride a bicycle it's learning that becoming aware that you can balance Now, from a money perspective, this is what you'll dig. This is just like how we learn how to float in swimming pools or rivers or oceans. We can learn that we can float financially, meaning that I believe that universe spirit God gives always gives us what what we need when we need it, that we literally can float. If you let go the fear, doubt and worry and the universe will provide. I've had months where it's like I gotten sick or I couldn't work because I was ten- taking care of someone and money miraculously came in exactly to cover what I needed. And I know many of you, I know yourself and because you know you attract so much abundance and prosperity. And I know your listeners have experiences where it's like, I couldn't explain where the money came in, but it came in. That's our awareness. And that's the secret is to be aware that we can flow financially. When we start drowning is when we feel fear or doubt or worry, when we panic, just like in the water. Oh, no, I'm not going to float. And then that's how people drown. Same with financial, same with money. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to drown. So, but versus, oh, I could just, and how do you float? How do you float, Rebecca? What do you do in your body to float? Relax. Exactly. Exactly. And, And I know that when I relax, when it comes to my money and finances, money flows in. When I'm tense and try to grab or take, it it's it runs away from me. But when I'm relaxed, it wants to come to me. You know, yeah. It's
0: about going with the flow and going downstream and not trying to thrash your way up the river because you're just making your life hard and you're pushing money away. And that goes to you know what you were saying before about just being, being in ease and not making it, we, we get to choose easy. It doesn't have to be hard to manifest money. We get to choose easy.
1: Yes. I love it. One of my speaking mentor used to buy the staples easy button. And so it's like, every time you do it, it's like you push that button goes, that was easy. And just reinforce that it is easy, you know, and, and and really it can be easy. I mean, there's some energy and energy and action required but it's it's also an attitude even in our even in the difficulty i can find ease and peace and enjoyment even in the challenge
0: it's like someone in jail right i mean uh, some of our greatest leaders like you know martin luther king or just many great people have been to jail and they've written great books or they've they've birthed movements in their mind and uh you don't, you can even choose that jail can be easy. So it's really, somebody might be listening to this, who is in jail. I don't know, but it can be easy. You don't have to choose hard.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It could be the next Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, you know, whoever, whoever, as so many people have been jailed for what they believe in, and they create a major change and, and major change and impact in the world
0: yeah and movements so here's the the last question of the day and the subject of what you just had a summit on which was an amazing summit and helped so many people uh why is being unapologetically you so important and what is even what does that even mean being unapologetically you
1: yeah so it's really unapologetically you means it's showcasing your fully expressed version of yourself that you speak your mind you speak what's in your heart and you're free to do what you want to do it's a source of freedom and right now what people gravitate towards are people who are authentic people who speak from the heart, people who say what they mean and do what they say. And we gravitate towards people who are authentic. Like, even though there's so many opinions right now in the world, there's so many. And even if someone doesn't have the same viewpoint that I do, I respect their authenticity versus someone who may say something that aligns with what I say, but they're not being authentic and so people are really looking for authenticity. There's so much superficiality and fakeness out there um, and we're looking for people who are real and this is your source for freedom. For those of you in business, this is key because when and it's it's like why wouldn't you want to be unapologetically you where you get to stop apologizing for who you are. You can stop the people pleasing, stop the approval seeking. And you can start expressing who you are because when you're expressing your real self, the people who gravitate towards you are the ones who love you, trust you, respect you, who wanna be with you. And the people who don't, they make themselves known that they don't. It's better to have real and authentic friendships and relationships who love you for love and accept you for who you are rather than. People liking you for who you're, who you like, you're pretending to be. So we get to let go of imposter syndrome. We get to take the mask off, and then we get to be fully expressed, just like fully expressed and accepted for who we are. And some people were like, for me, some I'm not a, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and I'm okay with that because I want to be. I don't want to have to change myself so that you like me. And I think, and this is coming from a recovering people pleaser a recovering approval seeker. So when I made this shift, it's like, oh, I want every single person on the planet to be able to to be able to experience this because that's, you know, otherwise you're living someone else's life. You might as, you know, and there's that uh, saying, I don't know who said it, but be an original, everyone else is taken. So when it, when would be a good time for us, for you As the listener right now, listening right now to be your original self, you know, it's like, and that's, and that's where you could truly uh, love and appreciate yourself and be accepted by others by you showcasing who you are.
0: That is so beautiful. And I was recently at a training and you know how different ways of being have vibrational measures. And everybody thought love was the highest vibrating way of being, but he said in recent science, it's certain, uh, authenticity mm-hmm. is higher, vibrating than love, the highest vibration that you can be, that is going to magnetize and attract more people even than being loving is being authentic. So if you're listening, be authentic, be unapologetically you and the people who are meant to be in your life. Bye-bye. And the people who are meant to be in your life are going to be magnetized to you and drawn to you.
1: Mm. Yeah, so true. So true. I love that. Love that. Authenticity is the key to freedom and you deserve it.
0: You deserve it. Well, A.G., it has been so great to have you on my show. You delivered so much. I've been taking pages of notes myself and I can't wait to go back and review this podcast. And it's just a delight to have you in my life, and have you as a friend, and we are neighbors in LA, so we got to get together soon. So let's uh, have our listeners find out; they're going to want to learn more about you. Where can they connect with you? Where can they find you online?
1: Yeah. So one of the things we uh, we run multiple times a year is we do these online five day challenges. They're fun. They're free. So we have the unapologetically you challenge, which is about finding your voice, creating the real you, and reclaiming your fire and desire of what you want. And then we have another challenge called take a stand, really taking a stand for what you believe in and speaking up, using your voice and really, you know, showcasing yourself as a leader. And it's really about, you know, because there's so many people who are afraid to share who they are, what they believe. But this is a powerful way of taking a stand where you're taking a stand for for you for what you believe in but you're not like but it's inclusive meaning you're not like against or fighting anyone else you know because having a position like oh i have a position on let's just say the war i have a position on this or politics i have a position on this but that's usually that's usually pitting one side against the other but taking a stand is a higher level where you could be you could you could believe what you believe and take a stand for what you believe but you're not excluding anyone and it's a very powerful piece and it's a powerful piece for you to share your voice because we get to take a stand if you're a parent for your children we get to take a stand for your community or your country the planet and at, at in you know as a whole so leaders are being called up and we need more leaders now more than any time in history and so that's why i have these two unique challenges so uh you know i'm sure there's going to be a link at challenge.movementmakers.org and that'll lead you to one of these two challenges and that's a, a great way to stay in contact and connection with me and it's just been such an honor to be in your in on this show i love that burnout and also balance and one thing I would share about balance is you, you go extreme in your work and in your mission and your purpose, because I truly believe that you don't have, make, have to make a choice between your purpose, um, your friends, fun friends and family and making money. You can do all three. And so go extreme on those pieces, but be very balanced in your personal health and in your relationships. You don't want your health to be chaotic. You don't want your relationships to be chaotic because that's going to impact your mission and your work. So allow your health and your relationships to be grounding forces for you. And then you could go go for the big, go for the impossible, go for the improbable. So that's my main thing regarding integration and balance within your life.
0: I love it. Well, you guys have been wonderful listeners. We've gotten so much from AG. Thank you so much for being on the show. Do one of his challenges and level up. And listeners, I know there was so much value that was given today from AG. Do me a huge favor, rate the star five star, rate the show five stars. Subscribe, review it and share it with a friend. It's so easy. It'll take you two seconds just to copy the link and share it. And because so many of you have already taken time out of your busy lives to share this podcast, we are not just the top 1% in self-help, we're the top half a percent in the whole world in self-help because so many people in the world are just like you. They wanna have success and health and romance and all seven pillars of abundance, but they don't wanna do it in an exhausting, burned out way. They wanna prioritize their joy and their balance. And like AG loves to say, having fun gets it done. So, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another wonderful episode of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman. And until we meet again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. Thank you.
0: Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for being a devoted listener to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I so appreciate your subscription, your reviews, sharing this podcast with your friends. And if you feel called to work with me on a personal level, I want to invite you to my Elegant Warrior training. It is starting in mid-January. I will personally help you get all seven areas of your life to a level 10. That includes your spirituality, your emotions, your romantic life, your financial life, get your mindset on track, make sure you have a great community. And this is a seven-week group coaching class. If you want to learn more about it or just meet me I would love for you to schedule a complimentary breakthrough call. My schedule is very full this year, but I have opened three spots this week to talk to you and just see where you need a breakthrough, where are you feeling stuck in your life? Maybe you need to lose a few pounds, maybe you're tired of being single, or maybe you're ready to double and triple your finances. So wherever you feel stuck, I'm committed to helping you have a breakthrough on this coaching call. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes and the link tree to schedule that breakthrough call. And if you're interested in learning more about Elegant Warrior Training, I am happy to talk to you about it live or you can always reach out through my email. Talk to you soon. Keep rocking your goals and keeping your vibe high and I'll see you next week with another incredible guest.